This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's the Now News Panel on AMI. I'm Dave Brown, joined by Michelle McQuig and Joita Gupta. Let's address our next topic. Danielle Smith has been sworn in as Alberta's new premier. Smith says healthcare reform is one of her top priorities and she intends to change management of Alberta's health services. So this is a management problem. It is not a problem with our frontline workers. Our frontline workers need to be supported. And when it happens in a in a business, when they fail to meet targets and they fail to meet direction, you change the management. And so that's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to change the management. Premier Smith says she hopes to have a timeline for healthcare reform completed in 90 days. Here's the uh, clip that really drew some attention. Premier Smith also shared some thoughts about the difficulties COVID-19 vaccine mandates caused people. I don't think I've ever experienced a situation in my lifetime where a person was fired from their job or not allowed to watch their kids play hockey or not allowed to go visit a loved one in long-term care or hospital or not allowed to go get on a plane to either go across the country to see family or even travel across the border. So they have been the most discriminated against group that I've ever witnessed in my lifetime. And that statement caused no controversy whatsoever. Joita, you want to talk about Danielle Smith's first week on the job or do you think we should take this conversation? Yeah, I think it's really interesting to know who she is. Uh, at one point, she was the leader of the Wild Rose Party, which was Alberta's reform party. And she, uh, at, you know, of course, that has now since merged to become part of the UPC. Um, she, at one point, as the leader of the Wild Rose Party, crossed the floor to join the United Conservative Party uh, over the infighting about LGBTQ inclusion and same-sex marriage. So although she is a conservative, She's not socially conservative, and that's important to keep in mind. But just in looking at her background, she does tend to come in more on the right of Jason Kenney, especially, as you might guess, on issues around COVID-19 and vaccine mandates. You heard that clip right off the top where she's pretty scathing about the management of the healthcare system and, you know, the impact of these vaccine mandates, uh, the clip about the unvaccinated being the most discriminated group of people that she's ever seen in her lifetime drew a lot of skepticism and a lot of eyebrows shot up, mine included. Uh, she, um, when we think about the vaccine mandate issue, we know that that was an issue that divided the Kenny government. And it would be very interesting to see, given her position and some of her statements about making reforms to healthcare, including firing Dina Hinshaw, who's the chief medical officer, um, whether it, the, the, the United Conservative Party is going to be able to get behind Daniel Smith ahead of the Alberta election, which, in case you missed it, isn't actually that far away. It's coming up in May 2023. So, six or seven months down the road, Alberta could be heading for an election. And I would be very curious to see uh, how and if the party gets behind her. And then she made some really interesting, quote unquote, remarks about um, sovereignty and Alberta breaking away from the country, in a sense, and having more independence. And of course, as soon as she took office, she walked those back. Is that a good look for a premier? It's all very interesting. She's the kind of person that I suspect 
we secretly like to write about or talk about because there's so many angles and there's so much to talk about. <laughs> Michelle, I, I picked those two clips for a very particular reason, because as I react to Premier Smith's first week in office, I think about trying to rally her own base. Let's make sure we're talking about running government like a business. Where have we heard that before? Let's talk about vaccine mandates. These are the people who back me. I'm going to say these things. I'm going to rally my troops. What do you make of her first week in office? I, I do agree with that, especially in light of the fact that she does not have a seat in the provincial legislature. She has to run and get one now. So she has to get herself elected into the House that she now is expected to lead. Uh, so I think there is definitely an element of that. But I, I also think it's... Uh, I think Joey is right too to to flag the fact that this is consistent with some of her past positions. She was the leader of the Wild Rose Party, which did historically lean further to the right than the Conservative Party of the day, which was led by the likes of Jim Prentice. So I, I do think that while she is sort of playing to her base somewhat, I do think it is a, a relatively authentic take, and it certainly I don't think is hugely surprising some of these positions she's taking to people who have been following her career for a while. Uh, what is really wild, though, is is her rise. Uh, this was a woman who was really on the on the margins of politics after the Wild Rose Party uh, didn't do uh, perform up to expectations in certain elections. Um, like as we pointed out earlier, they were melded into the UCP, which I think remains deeply divided. So I, for one, am going to be really, really interested to watch the next few months in Alberta politics. I'm sure she will get elected into the legislature, uh, but in terms of uniting the party, I think that is really going to be a big challenge. Her her victory was was tight. It took many ballots. This was no Pierre Poilievre leadership victory. It was not like that at all. There was no clear runaway winner. I think it took like five or six ballots for this to happen. Um, I suspect that the NDP and other opposition parties might be kind of happy with this development because of, of what Joita said. She, she is a figure who commands a lot of attention and is also very polarizing. Uh, I think we might be in for a very... Uh, very engaging ride in Alberta politics for the next little while. Joita, you posed the question, do you believe she has the capacity to unite the party ahead of an election in less than nine months? Isn't it, it is an interesting question because, first of all, the leadership race was actually a lot closer than a lot of people had thought. She won mm -hmm. with a 53% uh, margin, but Travis Taves came in with a 46 So there you can see that there's still a party deeply divided. And I want to sort of echo some of what Michelle said and you said, which is that she's still behaving as though she's on a campaign trail. Actually, if my husband was on the panel, he'd, he'd, he'd take it one step further and say, not only is she pandering to her base, she's still acting as though she's on talk radio and, you know, just going <laughs> off the cuff. And I said, I don't know if that'll play well with Dave and Michelle, but uh, in the interest of including his point of view, because he was pretty adamant about it and I've had to listen to it all week, I'm going to say she's still acting... <laughs> That, that is her background. She she was a radio host. So she like, was a radio host. Yeah, no, he was a radio host. And, you know, she would kind of just talk off the cuff and very much like, you know, say things uh, without thinking through, thinking them through. And so it would be very interesting to see if the party can get behind her. Uh, and it's very hard to say. Uh, there is, as you noted, an election and the election might be what forces her to tone down some of her more extreme remarks. The thing is, parties tend to be more united when they're ahead in the polls. Um, now, I'll, I'll defer to Michelle because maybe she's seen more recent polling. But as far as I could tell, the NDP is still doing quite well. And they might even be ahead of the UCP in their polls. So if the UCP continues to lag, 
Daniel Smith is going to get blamed for that, for being divisive, for being extremist, for not being able to unite people under uh, under one umbrella, uh, bring people together with her message. However, if she, her, if she is popular with the people, if the party's fortunes change, if they do better in the polls than they are doing, then that will, in and off of itself, silence her critics within the party. Um, one of the things to take into one of the things to take into account is Jason Kenney, uh, who apparently didn't meet with her as part of the transition. Quite shocking uh, that that didn't wow. happen. But also, uh, Jason well, he Kenney... Was, he was publicly critical of her throughout the entire he leadership. Was. Like, he, he actually was. weighed in yeah. during the leadership campaign and pretty much opposed the majority of Daniel Smith's thoughts. Yeah, but. exactly. And, and just to make that very clear for people who haven't been following Alberta politics, he came out and said, your sovereignty position is completely untenable, it's unconstitutional. And he also has a very different take on conservatism. And he's very concerned, quote-unquote, about the rise of populism in some elements of the conservative party. So he tends to believe in a more gradual change, um, whereas what he said is he doesn't believe in the snarl, uh, the sort of snarly, you know, tear it all down populist kind of movement that, that Danielle Spears seems to be the front runner of. So what she's really gone and done is aligned herself, at least in terms of her rhetoric, with the most extreme and vocal segment of the population. Because when we think about the anti-vaxxers in Alberta, I'll grant you that they might be a larger percentage of the population than elsewhere in Canada, but they are still a minority, uh, albeit a vocal minority. And by aligning herself as openly and as strongly with them as she has, I would wonder if that kind of a statement would play well with rest, the rest of Albertans. And the other thing I'll say, and I'm surprised none of you has actually said it, but to say that the unvaccinated are the most discriminated against groups in her lifetime is patently absurd. Uh, and oh, patently you, you were just absurd. waiting. To, <laughs> I think we were all holding our fire for that one. <laughs> you know, it's just patently absurd because think about the things that have, ha that have happened in her lifetime. The, the Rwandan genocide, there's been ethnocide, there's been uh, apartheid. I mean, the fact that she's even saying this is really going to, you know, it's going to be a good day for the NDP if she continues to go on like this, uh, because the NDP will really pick up on this and run with this and, and call her out as an unsuitable leader. I'll jump in with a domestic example in, in Indigenous residential schools, some of which were still operating into the 90s and many of which operated in Alberta. Uh, she has taken a lot of heat from Indigenous groups, among many, many, many others for that comment. And uh, I'm sure we don't need to make the case as to why they spoke up. Do you guys want to touch at all on the sovereignty position? I think it's pretty self-evident that that's great rhetoric and it plays really well uh, amongst sort of the Wexit gang in Saskatchewan and Alberta. I, again, I'm, I'm just going to keep coming back to the point here. Premier Smith is playing to her base. And, and we know that base is a strong vocal base. Whether or not that can unite the party, we don't know. But she wants to make sure that her people remain her people in her first week in office. Mm -hmm. And that's politics. Like, I, I'm, I'm getting kind of a sense of tone here because you may disagree with her politics. You don't like the tactic. But that's what politicians do. You talk to your base. You secure. You make sure your people come home to vote for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But and, and yet we've seen that softening this week of that position. So that this is one element in which she has already, I think, started to acknowledge the difference between political rhetoric and political reality. Mm -hmm. And the other thing to keep in mind is with the softening of the rhetoric, one has to wonder if she knew all along and had deliberately played to her base, as Davis said, or whether, you know, it's one of those situations where she got carried away saying what she wanted to say. And um, now cooler heads have prevailed. And the one of the things that I often think about is, you know, some of the commentary we were hearing around Donald Trump in his first few months in office where we were 
routinely saying he sounds like he's still on the campaign trail, make America great again. And a lot of commentators were saying he needs to sound, quote unquote, more presidential. And I think if Daniel Smith actually wants to make an honest run at winning the election and get all Albertans behind her, she's going to have to sound less like she's on the campaign trail and more like the premier of Alberta. I disagree. I think that people are really starting to like the idea of politicians who speak in plain language and speak in plain English. And I think that commentators are officially out of touch with what people are actually feeling. Here's what I'll say. At the start of this week, people probably didn't know who Daniel Smith was, at least people on the periphery. Everybody across the country knows who Daniel Smith is now. Period. Point final. And there are no consequences in political rhetoric these days. We can talk about the myriad of reasons why there are not, but the fact is, Danielle Smith is on the map, she's running the she's running the government, and she has nine months to make her case to the people of Alberta, and I think that there's a lot of people who understand what happened when the NDP won that election in 2015, 2016, and there are a lot of people who will come home and vote for the UCP regardless of how they feel about Danielle Smith. It's because of how they feel about the NDP and Rachel Notley. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.